brought to you with the natural goodness of Viridian Nutrition, available at Browns. I'm Trudy Kerr and welcome to The Interviewer. In this series, I talk to artists, campaigners, men and women of influence, musicians, performers, sportsmen and women, politicians, businessmen and women, and anyone who shapes the fabric of our society. On March the 11th, today's guest gave birth. Now, this isn't a rare life event on the grand scale of things, but it was a grand event for the Saliba family with the arrival of baby Ben and a grand event for social media as we all waited to see when the little man would join us. Instaqueen announced to the world that Ben had arrived and over two and a half thousand people responded. But I happen to know a little bit more about Tez's journey, as we'd been exchanging voice notes as my partner in broadcast crime walked around San Anton Gardens as her contraction started. Well, in true Trudy and Tez fashion, Tez is here on the show again to discuss Lil Man, her new life, and what having a baby is all about. Hello! Insta queen, I doubt that very much. Insta queen! Uh, maybe to you! <laughs> I don't think to anybody Insta else. Insta queen! Ole, no, I, I don't even take Instagram as seriously to merit that title, but I do enjoy it. And as you said, the, the feedback was really lovely because, um, as you said, when I was contracting and voice messaging you, and we'll get back to that, um, a lot of people were messaging me and telling me, are you okay? Are you okay? Because you're not posting anything. Is Ben here? Is your baby here? They didn't we know have all of this <laughs> to come to in the show. <laughs> yes. This is a classic. This is the post-birth show. <laughs> Postpartum. Listen, first up, how are you? I'm very good. How are you? Brilliant. Uh, well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm fantastic. Secondly, uh, how is the quiet, sweet and well-behaved little man? You can't deny it because that's the only way that I've seen him. Ben has been amazing ever since I, I met really him. Can't, I really can't complain. I hear some, I hear some really um, tragic stories that scare me and terrify me. And then when I see the baby that I was given by the Lord Almighty, I'm like, okay, shut up. You really can't complain. But it's true. So Trudy and I went for cake, but you didn't have cake on uh, your birthday a couple of days ago. And um, he was screaming before we left. And I'm going, Madonna, how am I going to do this? How am I going to take Trudy up to Imdina with this crying baby? To this crying baby, this crying baby. And he was so quiet, yeah. so well behaved. Tess, not a peak. Not a peak. Not a and peak. And I, obviously, in Maltese, well, I touch it. I have this expression, which means I was kind of taking the mickey out of, obviously, you know, by my own son, who was <laughs> Well, because seven we, weeks. prior to us going, you were showing a video of him screaming <laughs> to my partner, Adrian, and you were saying, this is what the child that I have. <laughs> and then I get in the car for three and a half hours. And he was really good. Three and a half. No, no, not really good. He was silent. No, no. It's look. I really, I really, really can't complain. And to anybody listening who does not have this right now, I'm really sorry. But I mean, there's there are waves. There are um, some some days, some moments, some nights where he's screaming the house down. And the majority of the times, thank God, he is quite a good baby. So I really, really can't. And complain. And health wise, he's good. 
Health-wise, yes, as far as I can tell, he's good. Because I think that was my main concern um, because of my emergency C-section. But we'll get into that. Oh, we will. Um, oh, I know we have a whole questions, bunch of questions. Up, so. <laughs> well, listen, uh, first question is, how is life post-birth? What's the... I tell you what I'm going to ask you. What if you could if you could put this into one sentence, which I know is going to be very dr- tricky for you, but <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> of course if not. you could put this into one sentence, what is the biggest single change in your life? Oh, through the curve, you need to send these questions before <laughs> one sentence. Um, the biggest, it, it's very different. It's very different. It's different and it's not. Let me, let me, oh, how can I put it into words? I'm still finding my feet. I don't think you ever really not stop finding your feet. I think you always do because you're constantly adapting and your life becomes like a hybrid of what it was and what it's somehow becoming. And you don't know what it's becoming. So you're constantly going, ah, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? You know, because you know the life you had. You, you're entering a life you don't. You've, you're in a life you don't almost because it's obviously my first child. I don't want a second, so this is my only <laughs> experience. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. We're coming to that one, I can if tell you. My, if I have a second and the second to watch is this, she's going to be, or he is going to be like, but you didn't want me. <laughs> uh, but no, I don't plan on having a second. However, it's, it's just, it's very different. I mean, people warn you that it's different. It's different and it's the same at the same time because I'm still me, Dave is still him. And, um, but this is a whole new chapter of us being parents together. But I do, um, I, I now see the importance of you having solidified your relationship. I'm not going to use the word marriage because I, I don't think it's marriage that needs to be solidified. Your relationship has to be solidified. Families are, are created irrelevant of marriage, you know. Um, you do need to because it does test you. You're tired, you're frustrated when this baby cries and you don't know why he's crying. He's changed, he's fed, he's screaming the house down and you're like, what's the matter? Tell me. Uh, you, you do get, you, you're not getting a full night's sleep. Dave has to get up and go to work. I have to stay with Ben all day, you know? So you really do need to have a solid foundation. I have utmost respect for people that do this single-handedly utmost respect um and on the nights that I have cracked in the sense that um the stress of it all kind of gets to me a little bit um I do really think about parents who are doing this by themselves well it's interesting that you mentioned Dave because my next question is about Dave and it relates to when we were having cake okay you mentioned that people have said oh that's really nice he's really helpful and your response to that was well, he is his son. He it, it's his job. It's it's not helpful. It's he's his as well as he is mine. So when people comment this way and say, "Oh, he's so helpful," I hate it because it's like it's my job and he's somehow contributing, and it's not the case. Ben is both ours, and yes, I suppose at the moment I would say I am the primary caregiver, g- giver, primary caregiver, giver, <laughs> because I am not going to work. I'm on maternity leave, and I'm with him throughout the day. But um, and obviously I can't say it's fifty-fifty because, as I said, the majority of the day he is with me. But um, he's not helping me out by changing a nappy. He's not helping me out by feeding him. He's not helping me out by giving him a washer. It's his job to do as well. This is something we both signed up for. And this, I come back to it. I would have not signed up to do it by myself. Definitely not. 
But this is... I don't want... I'm, I'm going to stop you because I, I'm realizing I'm possibly painting a picture of it being the hardest thing in the world. I'm a couple of weeks in. So right now, as I said, I'm still trying to find my feet. It is not the hardest thing in the world. Of course not. But it is, it is a big change in the sense that... Aha. Uh-huh, that you you do have to have your relationship solidified before it before your your child comes i would say you mentioned when we talked prior to giving birth to ben when we had a show where you were just about to give birth mm-hmm. that i wasn't you, afraid of the you birth you mentioned you were not afraid of the birth you were afraid of the 18 plus years of I'm still there. Commit- <laughs> That's why I think I don't I don't think you ever really stop figuring it out and adapting and having this hybrid situation of who you were and who you're becoming. Um but uh, the I, the birth still had didn't scare me when push came to shove, pun intended. Um but uh, it was a bit it, it it was not how I expected it to go. Well, are you okay if we talk about the birth? Of course. Because as I said, we were talking a great deal before you gave birth. During your contractions, you're walking around in San Anton. You remember we were talking. Yes, I was I can remember and praying and all sorts. And having these conversations, I was extremely felt very privileged and honored to, to be having this as your disc- you were describing in great detail what, what a felt contraction like. felt like. So for the first time in my life, because I'm not a parent, I was like, oh, that's what it's all like, you know? So for me, it was really cool. And then uh, you said that you'd gone into hospital. We spoke as you went into hospital. And then a few, a few hours later, as you've mentioned before, you switched to radio silence. Yes. And I checked. I, I was otherwise occupied. <laughs> well, I, I checked to see if there was any news that Ben had arrived. And after a few more hours of radio silence, I assumed something was wrong. And I just messaged to say, we're thinking of you, we're praying for you. And indeed, things didn't go as smoothly as you hoped for. So what happened? So, um... I started getting contractions very early in the morning at about at about three o'clock in the morning and they feel like period pains, I would say. Um, and they they start in in parent craft, which is kind of the course that Mother Day Hospital offers when you are uh, becoming a parent. Um, they always say oh, they feel like they're really far away. They feel like they're really far away. And I kept saying, what the hell do they mean? They feel like they're far away. But it, I understood it when I felt it because they, the contractions come in like waves. Um, like when you have a period pain, you get the, the beginning of it and it becomes really intense. And then it's kind of, you know, like a wave. And they were really far away. So the wave and the pain was very, very, I could handle it very well. Um, and... I called my mom, who is a midwife. I told her, I think I'm having contractions. And she said, okay, have your waters broken? I told her, no. I told her, what do I do? She told me, well, if you're feeling okay, let's let's get your waters to break naturally. So pack everything up and go for a walk. So that's what I did. Um, you went for a walk to get your waters to break? <laughs> yes, but it didn't but break. It, it, <laughs> I, I'm just thinking of you walking around and San Antonio Gardens. <laughs> but it is, it's not like it happens in the films. You don't get this like massive gush of, I mean, you do get a bit of water, but it's not like, 
like a pool. <laughs> so you know? let's say water's breaking is probably not the best phrase. No, I wouldn't say Because so. every time I hear that, I do. I think a No, no, you do feel like you've peed your pants a little bit, you know, but that, that's Okay, I will think of a better phrase for it then. <laughs> Society change it. Anyway, so uh, Dave had a viewing in, in, because he's a real estate agent, and he was in Balsan, and I told him, drop me off at San Anton, and I will just have a walk around. And I did, and I was there for about an hour, and I was messaging you, and you know everything was fine I was like pulling over holding onto a bench whenever I got a contraction and life went on kind of thing and I'm sorry can I just stop you did anybody that was walking around San Anton Gardens seeing you holding onto a bench and going <laughs> like this did anyone well, stop and ask go. if you're okay <laughs> no they didn't it was quiet on a, oh, on okay. a Thursday morning so. oh fair enough um, and anyway San Anton got sick of seeing the not parrots what are they those at San Anton peacocks peacocks all these peas at San Anton I was about to say pigeons next exactly (laughs) 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 cheeky reference if you know you know Um, so I told Dave okay let's head down to Slema so we walked around Slema up and down up and down and up up and down again my waters didn't break the pains are intensifying I got hungry we stopped for lunch and then it's around three o'clock in the afternoon so the contractions at this point are 12 hours and there is a rule where your contractions have to be five one one. Let me explain. Your contractions need to be five uh, five minutes apart. So you get a contraction every five minutes. They need to be a length. They need to last a length of a minute long. And this pattern has to last an, an hour. Hence five one one. And my contractions were about. 10 minutes apart and then they went down to seven minutes apart but never five and they were lasting 30 seconds 40 seconds and the pattern kept changing so I was definitely far away so when I after lunch we had a little walk around it was three o'clock my mother being a midwife I told Dave let's let's go to mommy's house I said and she will guide me according to the situation so I was um I, con- I was contracting with mommy and um she was helping me breathe because I I realized something about the way I handle pain. I don't breathe through pain. I hold my breath. Like even when I'm uh, planking, for example, I hold my breath for the 40 seconds, for the minute. I don't breathe through it. And my mom is like, no, you can't do that when you're giving birth, my friend. <laughs> well, you can't really do that when you're planking either. Because that could also end up quite devastating. <laughs> True. But anyway, so she, she noticed that. Then she noticed that my pain was kind of intensifying. And um, at this point, it was about six o'clock, half six. And she told me, listen, head up to hospital because I can't examine you. I don't have any sterile gloves. She said, if they send you home. As soon as I got into the car, I think that is when it hit me that, first of all, I'm, off, I'm leaving my mom and... I had a lovely midwife and she kept, you know, asking me if I wanted any pain medication. And I said, no, any pain relief. I said, no. She asked if I wanted to take a bath and I did. So anybody listening who's about to give birth, take a warm bath. They really help with contractions. I was in the bath for about two hours. Really lovely. Um, And we just kept like, wait, you, you, you wait it out basically, you know. And I was bouncing on the ball and this and that. And at this point, it's around midnight. I'm go- and I could kind of, I, I couldn't feel something was wrong, but I could feel the pain. I just and thought how it long was. Did you, you, this was midnight, so you'd No, been... this is not midnight, eight centimeters. As they broke my waters at around three. So this would be around four, four thirty. So you've been going for 26 uh-huh. hours. In total, it was 27 hours. 
Wow. Which is not pleasant, obviously, but yes, it is what it is. Um, okay. Uh, but 27 hours of contractions or 27 hours of labor. If you're contracting at the beginning, you're not in labor. Uh-huh. You're in labor, you know, when you're about to start pushing and all of that. Okay. My, my midwife is constantly monitoring my heart rate and Ben's heart rate to see that the heart rate is okay. And this is at around 5.30, I would say, his heart rate starts to drop. And I am still 8 centimeters dilated and I should be 10. And when a midwife tells you, Tez, we need to go into a C-section, you need to go to a C-section. Why? Because a midwife will always push you towards a natural birth. So if a midwife is telling you, we need a C-section, you kind of take the advice. And I was like, C-section? No, no C-section. We've been at this for 27 hours. I'm I'm seeing the end of the tunnel. We're going to do this now. I've got the last two centimeters. What's the hold up? But she gave you an explanation of why you needed a C-section. It was too fast, true. And I was very tired. I was in a lot of pain. Um, And then before I even know it, a bunch of doctors come in and they're telling me, we were taking you into surgery and they're taking off my earrings and this and that. And uh, they're gowning me for the theater and they're talking to me and telling me while you were in surgery, we might cut this and we might do that. And, and I'm like, what are you saying? I said, can you speak to my husband, please? I, I don't know what you're saying. Why are we even going into a C-section when we were getting ready to start pushing? I, I'm not understanding. And my midwife was saying me, there's a chance his cord is wrapped around his neck. And I'm like, what? Before I even know it, I am in a theater. Before I knew it, I, I hear this baby cry and they lift him up, Yohastra from his legs. <laughs> um, and they show him to me for like three seconds and they rush with him. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? And when they rushed with him, I was just left there and they're stitching me up. And the first thing I said was, oh my God, I failed. And I started really crying and I, and I, I couldn't understand how, I didn't understand what had happened. And the surgeon, after she finished stitching me up, really kind of her, I think noticed I was in such distress and I was crying and sobbing. She turned to me and she said, can I explain something to you? And I said, of course, <laughs> she's the surgeon. <laughs> you can tell me anything you want. And she told me, I really wish I really wish you could record my voice so that whenever you have this thought of you being a failure, you can listen to this explanation and you can hear what I'm about to tell you. She said, you are not a failure. She said, these things happen. An emergency C-section is not a bad thing. This is what you had to do as a mother to get your baby safely out into the world. She said, yes, it's not a planned C-section because like that you can mentally kind of prepare yourself, you know. Um, She said, however, um, do you know why we had an emergency C-section? I said, no. She said, there was an issue with the cord. And I said, ah, it was too long. It was wrapped around his neck. And she said, no. She said, it was too short. And I said, what do you mean too short? I told her, I've heard of a cord being long and he kind of gets gets tangled in it and all of that. She said, no, no. She said a normal cord is roughly about 50 to 60 centimeters. She said a short cord is about 35. She said yours was roughly 20, 25. I said, what? She said, your son had been trying to get out of there. But every time he was being pulled back up. And I said... Like a bungee. Like a bungee, like a a yo-yo, like a dog on a leash. You know, you're pulling him back. She said, so obviously he got tired at one point until 
his heart couldn't take it any further. And that is how we ended up in an emergency section. And I'm like, ew. And I, I couldn't understand. I had never heard this chord thing. And the day after when um, my gynecologist came to speak to me, I thought this is not something we could have picked up in the scan, the gazillion scans or had. She told me, no, not the size of a cord, the length of a cord. You, you can't pick up. She said, and then obviously my next question was, being so short, did he get the nutrients that he needed? She said, yes, everything should, is fine. Um, and then, you know, he cried and they did all the tests, kind of, that they all the checks that they needed and everything seemed to be fine. You said a second ago that your instant response was, I failed, I did something wrong. Now, I came to see you just a few days after, Ben, you gave me a call, you said, listen, I've got some space, do you want to come around? And I'm like, heck yes, yes I'm <laughs> going to come around. And during that time that we were talking, you became very emotional and you cried. And Which you... is a very normal thing, by the way. <laughs> your hormones are everywhere. <laughs> And you, were, you said at the time that your hormones were everywhere, but you also said because you had failed. We, and I made a kind of irrelevant joke kind. about the fact that your sex life would <laughs> still be better because you hadn't given birth naturally. But you said that you failed. Before we move on, on to any other topic, why? Why would why? you feel... You, <clears throat> you, so because I'm not a parent... So I might feel that I'm fa I'm a failure because yes. I haven't had children. You had a child. I know. And you I know. I gave know. birth to a beautiful child just because it wasn't. Let natural. me tell you, I think I think it is. Um how can I explain it? And I don't mean this in any way that is hurtful towards you because you don't have children at all. So but I feel like maybe it's society. I don't know, but um, even I myself said our bodies are made to do it. That is why I wasn't afraid of the birth, because this is something our body as women were, was made to do. Not, not to say that that is all we're made for, definitely not. But I felt like my body failed me, because for whatever reason, first of all, the umbilical cord was a glitch in nature that I couldn't understand. This was it something that I was responsible for. It's just a glitch in nature. Um, but I felt, and this is why I felt like I failed. First of all, I was really close. I felt like I trained for a marathon. And the full marathon, because you did the full. I did the, me the measly half when I do it. Um, but imagine I trained for a full marathon. I did all the training. I, I'm on race day. I've left in Dina, you know, and I get to the ferries in Slim. I'm seeing the finish line and I twist my ankle right at the end. So that to me felt like a failure because of what happened on the day. But you still crossed the finish line. But I still crossed the finish line, but because somebody came and helped me. And it's like somebody put me on a wheelchair and wheeled me in. You know, I didn't cross it the way I wanted to cross it. But that's a really good analogy because if you twist, if you fall at the ferries and you twist your ankle, that's not your fault. There's nothing no. you can do about it. You still cross the finish line. You yes. still had the guts to pick yourself up and, and keep on going. I, I see what you mean, but it, it didn't feel like that. And I suppose to a certain extent, it never really will. But I felt like something that as a woman and, and our bodies were made to do this. And for some reason, mine did not. But do you know the, the statistics of how many women Ooh, have C-sections? super high. But I didn't know this. Let me tell you why. Because 
it's it's very common to have a C-section. A planned one, unfortunately, and emergency ones are also pretty high as well. I am I am a tiny number, a, a tiny person in a in a huge number because the amount of support, even on social media, that people have come forward saying me. First of all, they were grateful that I was speaking about it because they did not feel there was enough awareness, and I don't either. Um, because until I I had one myself, I had very little knowledge of what goes through a C-section. Tez, you know, this comes back to the conversation that we had on this show with Maxine, the conversation that I've had, the conversation that we've had before, which is about the expectations of women and that perfection with relation to fertility and having babies. Because let me tell you, you say we are designed to do this and we should be able to squat in the corner, hopefully not this corner, and just with hot water and give birth. I utterly don't agree. You look at the the women who can't have children, the women who struggle to have children, the women who lose their children, the women who have to have a C-section. I think we are given this picture of perfection and it's absolute crap. Bullshit. Yes, yes. Which is why I then said, okay, I, I think I want to take to my social media and speak about it because this is what I meant by possibly it's society that kind of makes you... I don't know, even the fact, I'm not blaming my family at all, but we are a family of women. My mother had four of them, birthed them naturally. My sisters all had kids. I have five nephews and nieces and one nephew from my side. They all gave birth naturally. And um, then your family are very fortunate. They're not the norm. They're, uh, you know, in my family, all three of us were, were premature. Uh, my mum lost a child as well. Uh, through um, miscarriage. I think your ideal, your ideal picture is based on your family and how fortunate and blessed your family has been, but that is not the norm. And I think this is what we need to get into understanding and hopefully we will through open conversation. It's not the norm. Listen, it's not easy to speak about it, not because it hurts or anything, because I think I'm mentally past that now, but there is a risk when you go public with certain things. Maxine, you know, risked it. And when when you're gutsy in the sense and you go out in public and talk about certain things, unfortunately, not everybody is going to be nice towards you. And some comments were downright nasty. For example, I had um, I had comments from people saying, I don't know why you're making such a big fuss about um, having gone into a C-section. There are people who opt for a C-section because it's easier. And I'm like, easier. I can't get out of bed. <laughs> I can barely move. <laughs> what are you saying? Um, you don't have any of your core muscles. So, right? Because they're shattered, obviously. They cut them to be able to, de- to get the baby out. And I didn't realize how much you depend on your core to when you're lying down for example you need to get up so I would have to wake Dave up just to lift me to be able to go to Ben for example even the first night he was crying 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 I had that triangle thing that you have in hospital and I was reaching up but I I was so numb because obviously I had the epidural and all of this um that I I couldn't go to my crying baby you know so I do not see it as an easy way out. I suppose there are some people that opt for it. And if they opt for it, that is that is already one thing. If you opt for it, if you have a planned C-section because your baby is breached, that means bum first. Um, this is an emergency. This is 
an entirely different story. You've already gone through the hell, the pain of the natural birth. And then you have the repercussions of a C-section. So I had the shitty parts, excuse my French, of both worlds. And I'm like, I mean, yes, you mentioned it yourself and we joked about it. Ma hoo-ha is intact, <laughs> which is a plus. <laughs> but um, another comment, you're so lucky you didn't get to push. That's the worst part. Okay, thank you very much. You know, you get these comments and, you know, you hear them once, you hear them twice and you're like, you're so lucky now. Um, your, your, your partner will definitely have to help more because you've had this. Sorry. But this is exactly what Maxine and I spoke about on this show. People saying, you're so lucky because you don't have children. You're so lucky because you don't have oh, to have children. People should never use that word, you're so lucky. No, because, because you they're never not know. in that situation. You are not in that place. And yes. therefore, that conversation is completely irrelevant. I feel lucky that at the end of the day, I have a healthy baby. And had they not intervened when they intervened, had I not been at Mother Day, had I opted to give birth somewhere else, um, I could be telling a completely different story now. People will always kind of give you their two cents about things and you just smile politely and say thank you. You do? Sometimes I give them a piece of my mind. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes. So listen, we've talked about your birthing experience. We've talked about you and your role as a mum. Let's talk about you as Tez. It's the last question I want to come to you as Tez. Okay. Because when we went for lunch, we talked about your opportunities in theatre. You said there are some exciting opportunities coming to theatre in Malta. And you obviously are extremely passionate about that. But how does this fit? You, how does this fit into you as a role as a mum? Are you frustrated? Do you think that you will be able to get back to being Tez, the person? I'm going to stop you. I I don't I don't see it as get back. I've never left. I'm still me. I will remain me. There's all there's always obviously parts of me that I wouldn't say get chipped away, but. Um, I will, I will always be Tez, the singer-actress. Now I'm also Tez, the mum. And I think it's about finding a balance between both. You need to have a very good support system, which thankfully I seem to have. We'll see when I take on a production, how supportive it is. Uh, but he seems to be very okay with it because I auditioned recently and when I told him I'm going to go for the audition, how do you feel about it? He said, oh, I assumed you were going. So it was very like... Okay. Whenever I do get an opportunity on stage, I'm always, I feel very lucky and very privileged to have been selected. So I feel it's got very little to do with me and what I want to do, because even pre-Ben, there were many times that I wanted to be part of a production and I didn't get the opportunity to. So that there's that element of it that is out of my hands. But now, not only am I competing with the rest who are extremely talented, I am competing with possibly people who do not come with certain baggage. Baggage. I don't mean to call my son baggage, Miskeen. Bend the baggage. Bend the baggage. (laughs) Um, But I may come with certain limitations. Not that I'm ever going to enter a production and be like, oi, I can't do Sunday morning. I, I wouldn't do that. But I don't know, there may be some kind of emergency because I am another person's primary carer. So I don't know what a producer might be like, but there, there may be a chance where they have me and someone else who is equally as talented and can 
do the role just as well. I may come with certain limitations. This person is not a mother and so may not ever be like, oh, I'm sorry, my child is sick. I can't make audition. I can't make rehearsal. Not that, again, I feel I would do that because I, I feel that my theater is also a priority, but my son is my son at the end of the day. Um, I, but, but is that not frustrating? Because what is? feeling the limitations, feeling that other people might project limitations onto you because you are now a mum. Which is why I showed up to the audition yesterday anyway, even though it's a very long run and I don't know how much I, I want to be away from Ben away from, from Ben in Christmas, his first Christmas. But I showed up to the audition anyway for me and to kind of prove that, listen, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere kind of thing, you know, and just to, to have my face kind of seen. Um, it felt strange because I was there among 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds with their legs up there and this and that. <laughs> I'm going home, my lord. Welcome but, to my world. <laughs> but um, I'm glad I went. It felt a bit like the first pancake, you know, when you're making pancakes and the first one kind of stacks and then you've got, you don't know. Never made a pancake. Never made a pancake. <laughs> um, but, uh -huh. I hadn't obviously auditioned in a couple of years because of COVID as well. But anyway, I'm glad I went. I went for me more than I went for the role, to be honest. Tez, you just said, I'm not going anywhere. No. Tez Saliba is not going anywhere. No. Thank you so much for coming on to the interview again. We said this would happen. You came, you shared your story. And I'm pretty sure that an awful lot of people will benefit from that. Thank you so much, Tez. Thank you, Judy.